Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Uh, what is the your in your opinion the worst remake and your uh, favorite remake the best remake? Okay, uh, God, there's a lot of horrible, horrible <laughs> fucking remakes, so that's a <laughs> tough one. Um, but one I'll say that was absolutely uh, putrid involved involved Michael Bay uh, <laughs> of existence uh, would be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, yeah, yeah, remake yeah. that was like. That was a horrible one made for the uh, MTV generation and Jessica Beale. I don't get that whole Jessica Beale thing. She looks like a fucking horse. Like, <laughs> like really, Justin Timberlake? That's the best you can do? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'd, I'd fuck Justin Timberlake. He's so fucking cute. You know? Uh, you know, and he picks out a horse face, Jessica Beale. But, uh, you know, it, it was horrible. Hor- hor- horrible movie. And... Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Texas Chainsaw is not even my my favorite fucking you know Texas Chainsaw movie. Right. I, I love Texas Chainsaw two better mm-hmm. than Texas Chainsaw one. Okay. But the thing about Texas Chainsaw one is the rawness of it. Right. And right. how and 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 just the impact of it was, which I think is why I love Texas Chainsaw two more, mm-hmm. is because I I grew up during that canon era. And right. I mean, I love what Bill Mosley did in it, and I love like the mix between the comedy and the horror, and I think it was very effective in Chainsaw Two, mm-hmm. where, where Chainsaw One is so raw. You, you know, it's like you know, movies have kind of it's... evolved by the time I came along, but now I appreciate the rawness of it, even though it's two... kind of like the original Night of the Living Dead. Right, right. Oh, yeah. of, of course. And the same thing. Yeah. I prefer Dawn of the Dead, but there's <laughs> something about the rawness of the first one that's incredible. And, and the same thing with Texas Chainsaw. So when you yeah. do a remake, but you you strip it of that rawness, it it doesn't have the same effect. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just it's horrible. And and what sucks is I know a lot of people, like you know, younger people that I work with, like they think that's the movie. They're like, oh, oh. yeah. Oh yeah, the Texas Chainsaw with Jessica Biel. I'm like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, with the asshole from fucking Full Metal Jacket doing the same character, fucking ten yeah. movies on, you know. And I, I, I love mm-hmm. Harley Ermy. Don't get me wrong, he's great in fucking. Yeah. Uh, he's great in Full Metal, Full Metal Jacket. Jacket. But yeah, that's yeah. the extent of what this fucker can do. Let you yeah. know. Let's be fucking honest here. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because we just did an episode this week, which was actors that always seem to play the same character, and he was on the list. You know, he's he's always the same guy. Oh yeah, and and, and hey, I I am a Kubrick fucking freak, mm-hmm. uh, and I love that that movie. But yeah, that that's the extent of what Arlie Army can do. You know, holy and then, shit, a holy jelly donut. Shit. <laughs> they paid for it. You eat it. That's right. <laughs> what is your favorite remake? My favorite remake, um, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking off the cuff here, but but I, I I did give this some insight, and this is controversial because I know a lot of people did not like this, but I absolutely loved it. Was the remake of Dawn of the Dead? Oh, okay. By Zack Snyder. I thought uh, this is one of those movies when it was first announced. I was like, no, no. No, 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 no. You cannot. This is sacrilege. Yeah. You know, that is like, 
You know, as much as I love Romero, uh, and I love a lot of Romero movies, I'm like, this is his masterpiece. You cannot do this. Uh, you know, so I wanted to hate it from the get-go. I didn't go to the theater to see it. Mm-hmm. I waited till it came out on, on fucking video, and, and I got it, and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm hard up. <laughs> you know, somebody already, somebody already rented Police Academy 2, their first assignment. Um <laughs> So I was like, "All right, fuck it. I'll I'll give it a chance." That's and, a great. That's a great police academy, by the way. One of my favorites. Oh, I fucking love it. It's horrible. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love it. I love the police academy movies. I'm a masochist. I, I love the police academy movies. I do too. All the way through uh, Mission to Moscow or wherever the fuck they went. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost me at Mission to Moscow. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I think City Under Siege. And that okay, was, that was the sixth one. <laughs> that was hard to make it through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, without Gutenberg, it's kind of lost, but... Uh, exactly. That was after... Uh, Citizens, on, Citizens on Patrol, I think it was the fourth one, the last Gutenberg one. Uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. C.O.P. Yeah, Citizens exactly. Citizens on Patrol. That's right. Yeah. David Spade's first yeah, movie. Yeah, David Spade, and, and then the, the big fat black dude house. That's right. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tweet. Yama 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 yama. I love that shit. I love how we've devolved into police academy. That's okay. Uh, Going back to uh, the I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. No, no. Now you just made me think of Major League. I'm like, fuck you, Joe Boo. I'm oh, doing myself. <laughs> so he went from playing uh, that guy to the president on 24 Serrano. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, what were Dawn we of the about? Dead. Dawn of Dawn the, the Dead. Okay, the yes. Uh, I I loved it. I thought it was an amazing idea. Even though to to a lesser extent they did it in twenty eight days, but to make the zombies run, I thought was very frightening. Yeah. Very much much more scary. Um, you know, it, it's one of those. You know, I remember being a child. And, and and growing up, I saw all the Friday the 13th in the theater. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw all the Halloweens in the theater. And I'll never forget, one of the last movies that ever really scared me in the theater was A Nightmare Before Elm Street. Uh, okay. A, a, a Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yep. But the reason was the scene where Freddy chases Tina down the alley. Right. Because I was like, oh my god, he runs. Because as a little kid, I would watch these movies and I'm fascinated by them. I love being scared, but at the same time, I was like, oh, you know, Jason walks so slow. Michael Myers walks so slow. Right, you could outrun him. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I could get away. I remember at one point, uh, I remember when I was in second grade, me and my mother lived with my uncle. And we had mm-hmm. to share a room. And I would sleep... Uh, we slept in the same bed. I would make my mom sleep on the outside because in my mind, if the boogeyman came and got her, I could jump out the window while he's <laughs> killing my mom. I know that's horrible. I'm a terrible son. But in my mind, I was always like, Michael or Jason comes, I could do that. And when I saw fucking Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy ran, it seriously, when I went home that night, I was 10 years old. And you got to understand, but me at 10 years old is like most people in their 50s. I had seen mm-hmm. so much shit, you know, uh, but I went home scared. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, my God. Only one movie scared me after Nightmare on Elm Street, and that was Pet Cemetery. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that was the part where the sister comes up running. Uh-huh. You know, the crippled sister, like, we'll get you, too. <laughs> that gave me nightmares. 
Oh, man. But, but before that, the last one was Nightmare on Elm Street, but it was because of the running. And that's what I thought was so effective in Dawn of the Dead. The, uh-huh. the zombies move fast, and I also think there was some great acting. There was a great mix of horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can do horror and comedy together and make it successful. One of my favorite movies of all time is Return of the Living Dead. Okay. That 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 has that perfect mixture of makes you laugh, and uh, you know, and and you know, but scares you at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also it's a fine line because if you do it wrong, you lose both. Right. You, you know, you lose the scares and you lose the laughs. But I, I think uh, Dawn of the Dead was a, a fine remake, probably my favorite remake I've ever seen. Do you like Shaun of the Dead? That is one I need to watch again. Okay, because if you like the funny and the horror, that might be up uh, your alley. I, I I love Simon Pegg, mm-hmm. and uh, and the movies done with that other guy. Like I love Hot Fuzz. Yeah. And uh, what else have they done? They, they, uh, this is the end, or this this is this is the world, or mm-hmm. something. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 something like that. I love all those. Shaun of the Dead, I think, is another one of those. Like maybe it got hyped up too much. Okay. And when I watched, I was a little disappointed. I need to watch it again. I only saw it once, but I remember like being like, eh, "What's everybody talking about?" You know. Right. But uh, so many people love it, and then since then, I've loved all these movies that like. It, it's Simon Pegg and his buddy and like the same writer director and mm-hmm. I, I love all those so I need to go back and watch it but okay but, but I, I will say one of the funniest lines of all time is when they're throwing the records at, at, at the zombies you know he's like what is it it's Prince he's like what album he's like oh the Batman soundtrack he's like throw it you know, <laughs> you know being a huge Prince fan you know yeah I, I, I found that very uh, hilarious you get it you yeah. get it <laughs> oh yeah yeah I lo- I'm not insulted by it I laugh at it you know because I bought that soundtrack the day it came out and I was pissed you know well this is a perfect segue into my next question which is what are your favorite 80s movie songs um well th- th- man you want to talk about a hard question oh I know this this is a hard one because, uh, like I mentioned, I believe earlier, I was that kid. I bought a lot of soundtracks, mm-hmm. and I wish I still had them because I had some rare shit on cassette. And even now that 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 I'm back into the vinyl, uh, I've been buying like rare soundtracks that I love. Like I don't know if you know the movie called The Wildlife. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. It's got uh, Eddie Van Halen on it. Yeah, yeah. I bought that on vinyl. I have the soundtrack to Secret Admirer on vinyl. <laughs> That's dude, awesome. Dude, I got a sealed fucking copy of Secret oh, wow. Admirer for like six bucks. Oh, man. Six bucks. Dude, I love Secret Admirer. And I saw you talking about it earlier, dude. On your program. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Fred Ward, dude. Yeah. Fred, Fred Ward is amazing in that movie. And it's one of those ones where, like, there's a couple songs like, yeah, I like this, but the rest of the, you know... Sound- it's kind of crap. Yeah, yeah, usually the soundtracks aren't that <laughs> great, you know. But, dude, I got Wildlife on vinyl. I've got fucking Secret Admirer on vinyl. That's my new <laughs> thing. I think I'm going to, you know, I want to get the Fright Night soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Because I, yeah. I used to have that on cassette. But, no, seriously, I bought a lot of uh, 80s soundtracks because that's, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, you used to go to a movie... You know, it's like uh, probably the first one. I remember my dad taking me to see Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah with Queen. At, at the Meadowview Theater. 
mm-hmm. and, and and we left right there. Went to the store called Hornsby's, which was kind of like uh, what you would now say a Walmart because they kind of okay. sold all kinds of shit. Uh-huh. But he, he took me there, and I bought the Queen's, you know, the Flash Gordon soundtrack, and uh, you know, did the same thing like Ghostbusters and shit like yeah. that. I had all these soundtracks, but well, usually, we, I, usually they they sucked. Yeah, the '80s were like the I think the peak of when it came to like unique music that was coming out to really promote the movie. I mean, soundtracks are non-existent now; they're just reusing you know classic rock songs. And but back in the day, I mean, you you know, Footloose had all original music, you know, Flashdance and Ghostbusters, right. oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. all of those. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I had all those, and uh, you know, a lot of times, I mean, you got to be honest; it was throwaway tracks from other albums, or or <laughs> it was something where the artist was like. You know, they were commissioned to do the song. Like Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Ray Parker Jr. was like, all right, I'm going to rip off Huey Lewis and the new That's movie, right. And I'm going to do this. <laughs> but uh, to me, and, it, and it's, and I'll never forget the memory of this. One of my favorite childhood memories is seeing this movie. And to me is the quintessential 80s movie song. And it's appropriate because it came out in the year of our Lord David Lee Roth, 1980, Caddyshack. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it is Kenny Loggins with I'm Alright. Yes, yes. And that that is something I just, oh, it sticks out. It sticks out and I just, I first of all, I love the fucking song. Yeah. I think it's a great song. I remember, I mean, vividly, I remember I had the 45 of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember, you know, with the old Columbia label on top, you know, and I I believe on, on, the, on the 45, you know, it's hard because I was like fucking six when this came out, <laughs> but, uh, but it was two different versions of I'm all right. There was like the album version and a, and a single just, edit and a single edit. But God, I remember playing that nonstop. And when I went and saw this movie, my uncle, who my uncle, John. Uh, is is since passed, but was 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 so amazing. I mean, he uh, he didn't have kids at that time, at least. So I was like his kid, right? And uh, wh- whatever I wanted, I got. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to go to the movies. He's like, "What do you want to go to see?" I'm like, "I want to go see Xanadu," <laughs> because I was in love with Olivia Newton John because Greece yeah. because of Greece. I mean, I mean, she was everything to me. I'm like, oh my God, Olivia Newton-John. Well, mm-hmm. you know, my uncle already heard the reviews and just knew by looking at it that <laughs> Xanadu's a piece of shit. Yes. You know? <laughs> so he's like, okay, we're going to go see Xanadu. And I'll never, we got a speeding ticket on the way to the movie theater. And, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't wearing my seatbelt or anything, but this is 1980. Yeah. You didn't have to wear your seatbelt back That's then, kids. Right. You know, but he's like, hey, put your seatbelt on. We're getting pulled over. But anyway, I remember getting a spin ticket on the way there. And then we got to the movie theater, which this was where I grew up. This was the Metaview Theater that had three theaters. And I was so uh, like, yeah, oh, God, I got to see her. And we get there. He goes, oh, hey, buddy. Sorry, Xanadu sold out. We got to go see Caddyshack. I'm like, I want to see Caddyshack. I want to see Xanadu. He's like, oh, sorry, buddy, all sold out. I'm like, Ugh. the forces were aligned, right, though. Right. <laughs> so we go see Caddyshack, and I'm fucking loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it. It's so great. I mean, you got to think, I'm six years old. 
Yeah. And then there's a part where Danny's fucking his girlfriend and you see his tits. (laughs) And I'll never forget this. I look over at my uncle like, hey, those are titties. You know, you know, kind of like I'm giving him that look and he won't look me in the eyes. Right. He's like, like, oh, fuck. What did I bring this kid to? What did I bring my nephew to? Oh, my God. You know, Uh, but God, it changed my life and shaped my life. And anytime, uh, you know, I think of great soundtrack songs, I think of fucking, I mean, Kenny Loggins was the king of 80s. He was. He he was the king of 80s soundtrack songs. But I think about that song and I think about that gopher and the way way he's dancing, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm all right. Nobody worry about me. You know, it just, it's, it's so perfect and. Again, it's in my trifecta of comedies, which is the the Blues Brothers, Animal House, and Caddyshack. Yep. Uh, that that are you know the epitome in my mind of comedy. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's been some great ones since then, but you, you know, like Dumb and Dumber, I think is a modern day classic. Mm-hmm. You know, great movie. It's it's perfect. But to me, you know, growing up with shit like Animal House, the Blues Brothers, Airplane, you know, Caddyshack, Airplane. Yeah, I yep. mean, that's just like. It doesn't get any better than that. No, you no, know? and uh, and it's unfortunate. I wish there would be something that would come along and top that, but there hasn't been. But yeah, so uh, for for eighties movie songs, uh, I'm all right. Yeah, Kenny Loggins. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be?
even though it wasn't meant for the movie, uh, or it wasn't written for the movie, in Better Off Dead, if you're a Van Halen fan, oh my that, god, everybody wants some. Uh, well, I, I, I tell you, what, I'll, I'll go even one deeper. Uh-huh. Uh, I have the soundtrack to Better Off Dead. I love the Rupert Hines songs mm-hmm. that that have the lead singer from um, what's the band? One thing leads to another. Oh, oh the, uh, the Fix. Fix. Yeah, yeah, The Fix. Uh, his name's Sin or Sign something or other, and he mm-hmm. sings two songs on that soundtrack that I fucking absolutely adore. Oh, and I, I one of my favorite movies of all time is Better Off Dead. Yeah. Oh my god. What a good movie. And then the underrated movie after that, which is kind of its, uh, you know, the unofficial sequel, uh, One Crazy Summer. Oh, I love One Crazy Summer too. Savage Steed Holland. Yeah. yeah I, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because, like, I feel like you and me are the only people that know Savage <laughs> Steve Holland. And he made he made another movie after that that was horrible. Yeah. Called like How to Get Into College or some shit like that. Yeah. It really nobody's. Oh. Seen oh, it. oh. <laughs> yeah, but I rented it because. Of one crazy summer and and fucking better off dead, but yeah, oh my god, better off dead and one crazy summer. I mean, that's one of those things like you either get it or you don't, man. And if you yeah. you grew up around that shit, it was so good. And, oh man, I I just laugh like right now thinking of Bobcat Goldthwait in the fucking Godzilla costume. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, like stomping he, around everything. Yeah, and he's stuck in the the box or whatever the crate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in Better Off Dead, I mean the ongoing, uh, the ongoing joke yeah. with the Asian guys yeah. and, and uh, Brian. Yeah. I, I I heard you used to date that girl Beth. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then so before I get into the next question, which is uh, favorite sports movies, I got to ask you a question that I'm curious about, which okay. is you're a huge Oakland Ra- Raider fan. Yes, and sir. so. Uh, how did you become an Oakland Raider fan? Because you grew up in Chicago. Yes. And you then transplanted to New Orleans. And so why not the Bears? Why not the Saints? I, I, I do uh, have a love for the Bears. Mm-hmm. I am a Chicago kid. But uh, in 1978, my, my father moved uh, to L.A. Oh, okay. And and, uh, and then, then my mother shortly after. And then shortly after there, I moved. Um and at that time, uh, the Raiders were like the meanest, nastiest fucking team. Yeah, Ken like, Stable. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, like you know, you know, uh, fucking the assassin. You know, yeah. everybody. I mean, it just it was it was amazing. And it's one of those things like whether you won or lost, you knew you played the Raiders. Yep. A lot different than what we have now. It was one of those things. I was just so attracted to that uh, when I came out. The same thing with the Dodgers. Now, uh, the Cubs will always be my favorite team of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball. Baseball, yeah. But at the same time, when I lived in uh, California in the late 70s, the Dodgers had a pitcher named Fernando Valenzuela. Of course, 1981. Uh, well, well, even before that, but he was left-handed. Yeah. And that was a thing, like, I felt like it was such a freak as a child because I was left-handed. Mm-hmm. Nobody else was left-handed. My father, like, like he took it like like it was like a curse that I was left-handed. He was, <laughs> he's like, I should have broke your fucking arm at birth. You know, <laughs> you know, like it was. And it used to be like in the Middle Ages, you know, they thought you were possessed by the devil if you were yeah. left-handed. They would switch you. Yeah, yeah, it was a thing, but I was left-handed. And uh, Fernando Venezuela was a left-handed pitcher. You know? Yep. But uh, 
but to me was like a hero. Like, oh my god, I thought me and Fernando Valenzuela were the only left-handed people on the fucking planet. Yeah, and there was Fernando Mania. So his rookie year uh, officially was 1980, but 81 was when he kind of took it by storm, and right. he threw like eight shutouts. And and uh, yeah, I mean, he was one of the the phenoms of the of the early 80s. Yeah, when I lived out there, uh, and I, uh, but yeah, the Raiders, man, it was just one of those things. Like they were the meanest, nastiest, and I fell in love. And uh, my whole family disowned me for being a Raiders fan because, <laughs> because they, of the Bears. <laughs> yeah, they were all Bears fans. They were all Bears fans. We're like, what the fuck? And I was like, no, this is my team. And I took a lot of shit. And, uh, you know, I still to this day because my team doesn't do all that good. And we've moved like 57 times. And we're getting. They're going to move again, unfortunately. I, I Why we got to bring that up? I know. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, you know, fuck you. 40. Well, hell, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I am, and because oh, my, oh, okay. Hey. Well, my dad, my dad and uncle has season tickets since the 1970s when they were, they weren't good. So I live, you know, I grew up in the 80s, so you know, I had to love Montana and Rice and everything. But I'm, I'm paying for it now because they are by far the worst franchise in the NFL. But no, it's one of those. It's, it's a defining factor. I mean, I am anybody who knows me knows that I am all about uh, the, Ra- the the Raiders, you know, and and luckily. Well, I should say luckily because it's the poor bastard. My son is a Raiders fan because of mm-hmm. me. Uh, so this curse has dra- traveled on to different generations. Uh, but it, but it is what it is. I just respected the toughness and the hardness. And, uh, yeah, there you go. All right, so let's get into the movie, the the point of this, this uh, question, which was what is your favorite sports movie? Okay, my favorite sports movie is one uh, we've already talked about. And uh, don't mean it to be a stocked answer, but Bad News Bears. Yeah, Bad that's News a Bears, good. I, I think it's a great, uh, not only a great comedy, which first and foremost most is important because I hold, uh, you know, just because something's a comedy don't mean I laugh at it. The right. Ones, the ones I consider greats, there's a reason. And there's a reason that this is uh, a classic, a classic, and and I get so excited when I see people from different generations that don't know this one discover it. Mm-hmm. You, you know, because I, I can't think of anybody that I said, hey, uh, you know, check out the Bad News Bears that have... The, orig- the original Bad oh, News oh, Bears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you what, I, I refuse to watch the one with Billy Bob Thornton. I'm with you. And, uh, and hey, I love, I love Billy Bob Thornton. I mm-hmm. think he's a great actor, an amazing actor. I like Richard Linkletter. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, there's just some things that are that are fucking sacred that don't need to be redone. Yeah, and and then that was one of them. So I don't watch it. And I, I got a friend that loves the original and says, "Hey, you need to give it a chance." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> I, I just can't do it. I don't need to. I've already seen it, and I've seen it done to perfection." Yeah. If I want to watch a half-ass remake, I'm going to watch the Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. There you go. <laughs> and I love that movie, by the way. And and we might as well give kudos to the Houston Astros because it takes place in the Houston Astrodome in that that version. Yeah, but they beat the fucking Dodgers. I know. Which I'm are sorry. My number two team. So. There you go. Well, and then it, also to go with uh, a great sports movie, but an inferior remake, The Longest Yard. The original with Burt Reynolds is is brilliant, and uh, as much as I like Adam Sandler, the the remake is definitely inferior. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, you know what? Uh, Burt Reynolds deserves all the pain he gets. 
being a prick. He's a fucking prick. That's what I've heard. I, I, I love him. I grew up with him, and 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 smoking the bandit. And, and and to me, he's a fucking star, but he's also a prick. But uh, yeah, you're yeah. right. The longest yard with him is way better. Yeah, yeah. What is your favorite heist movie? Now this was a hard one. Yeah, this, this was a real hard one because you, you really made me think on this. I was like. Oh, sh- I have I have an idea of one what what it might be. I'm not going to say it yet, but I have one that I think it may be. Oh, oh you have no idea what I'm going to pick. Okay, okay. Beca- because I drew such a fucking blank on this, I was <laughs> like, ah. Oh. And, and I got this like like once I tell you what mine is, you're going to laugh, and okay. then you're, and then you're going to say yours. I'm like, oh my god, why didn't I pick this? <laughs> but this is one of those like I fucking drew a fucking total blank at, and this is a. This is a movie like I really wanted to hate. I wanted to hate it so fucking bad because of who was in it and what time it came out. But I gotta admit, I was thoroughly entertained. And I know, like, when I say this, you're gonna mention movies like, oh fuck, I should have picked that or I should have <laughs> picked this. But this is one of those, like, off the cuff kind of things. I am actually a fan of the remake of The Italian Job. I get that. I like it too. I mean, you know, that's not horrible. No, it is. It is. <laughs> it's a, it's a bad. I'm gonna admit it. It's one of those like you know it's bad. You know it's cheesy. There's nothing artistic, but for some reason I was thoroughly entertained. But I know you're gonna bring up like a million fucking heist movies. But it's one of those that that, that that's a hard question because yeah, it is. So th- so you picked the one with Mark Wahlberg and Charlie Theron, right? Wow, way to make me feel like a fucking uh, yeah. asshole. <laughs> Way to make me feel like a fucking asshole. What, what, what's your pick? Well, my, my original pick were, were the remakes of Ocean Eleven. I, I enjoy, I enjoy those. They're they're mindless. They're fun. I never, uh, I never yeah. saw, I never saw them. But but if they're mindless, enjoyable films, then it kind of sounds like uh, the Italian Job. Yeah, but the one I thought you were going to actually pick because you had yeah. mentioned it before is Reservoir Dogs. Oh, oh, yeah. A great one. See, and, and that's one of those ones I, I didn't even think of as a heist movie, but 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 it actually is. You know? Yeah. Even though you don't much, much of the movie has nothing to do with the actual heist. It's all the, you know, before and after oh, and all I, that. I'll never forget. I'll never forget um I actually saw the um the preview to that. I was mm-hmm. I went to Chicago. And I, I live 50 minutes outside of Chicago. So going going to Chicago was an ex, you know an event, you know. It was like yeah. a big deal. It would be like, be like say you lived in Sacramento. Right. <laughs> you know. San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, and you're going to San Francisco. But I I lived an hour south of Chicago, so going to the city was a big deal. But I remember going to see Days the Confused. Oh, yeah. And uh and I saw they showed a preview for uh for Reservoir Dogs. And I was like, "Oh my god, that looks amazing!" <laughs> and and I didn't, uh, I didn't see Reservoir Dogs. I didn't see in the theaters. I saw it when it came out, but I was like, "That's one of those I'm gonna watch," you know, <laughs> for. Uh, but oh my god, I remember I, I I saw Pulp Fiction twice in the theater. Yeah, once once with my ex wife, mm-hmm. who my ex wife was very straight laced, very straight. There was a different Ian Wadley that was married uh, <laughs> to my first wife. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, character I portrayed, very good actor. I, I, I think I should got best best actor, at least best actor, for this, best yeah. important actor. Uh, she, she would say uh, worst sex partner, but uh, fuck her. That's why she's my ex wife. Um, 
but I'll never forget. We went and saw um, Pulp Fiction, and I already seen it once. And I went to see it with her for the second time, twice, and I took acid. And I was peaking during the gimp scene. Oh, my. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh. I was peaking. I was like, oh, my. And I had to sit there and be quiet and pretend that oh. I wasn't tripping. Freaking out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, my God. So we, I had to, I was, I think, 15 when Pulp Fiction came out. And so oh, we, my I, God, you fucking baby. I know. And so I had to, we, a buddy, our bu- you know, we went as a group. And so we had to buy a ticket for Forrest Gump. And then sneak into Pulp Fiction, and I wasn't ready for the gimp scene, but I was <laughs> mortified oh, and fascinated at the same time. Oh my god! And Forrest Gump, one of the few made one of the <laughs> few movies that made me cry. Yeah, yeah. For Forrest Gump, Harry and the Hendersons. Really? Oh my god! I'm, I saw Harry and the Hendersons. Probably came out when I was like twelve or thirteen. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. Okay, eighty-seven. So I was thirteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. 13, rode my bike to the theater to see it on a weekend matinee, uh, all by myself, watched it. And the part where John Lithgow starts beating on Harry. Yeah, just go, go. Oh, I I start crying. And then the last time I cried in the theater was Forrest Gump, 1994, I remember this. Uh, The part where he asks Jenny if his kid's retarded. Yeah. Basically. That made me cry. But to me, it's it's effective filmmaking because I'm a cold-hearted son of a bitch. And that broke you. Yeah, and, and, and certain, now that means a lot to me. Like, if you can break me, if you can get through to my hard, callous ass and, <laughs> and make me cry, like, you've done something good. Well, know? that and it's a brilliant soundtrack. It's basically the... You know, a great up and you know all all of the great songs from you oh. know the the fifties all the way through. Oh the yeah, 80s. but I, but I but I mean Tom Hanks. I mean, oh, he's brilliant. Jesus, what a run he went on in the early nineties. You hey, know, hey, with yeah. yeah. Hey, still my favorite Tom Hanks uh, movie of all time is Bachelor Party. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I fuck what anybody says. Bachelor Party. About that movie made me laugh so hard I peed my pants. Uh. I, I I saw that movie at the drive-in. With my uh-huh. grandfather at the Starlight Drive-In. I told you about the drive-in with my grandfather. Yep. And the, the, the scene where his fiance's ex-boyfriend falls and his ass goes in the moon. Uh, yes. Yeah. I laughed so hard I pissed my pants. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I actually peed my pants <laughs> in my in my grandfather's Buick. <laughs> eating a tombstone pizza. Watching <laughs> Bachelor Party. Uh, yeah. well, I'm surprised you didn't shit your pants after eating a tombstone pizza, but that's you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just I I laughed so hard and I was so embarrassed. I, I'll never forget this. That's one of those weird things because I mean I mean you know I'm sitting in my grandpa's Buick. Yeah, you know we're at the drive and nobody can see anything, but I know I pissed my pants because I laughed <laughs> so hard. Some I, other great '80s Tom Hanks movies: The Man with the One Red Shoe. That's a great one. Eh, and kind of end that one. It's a well, it, the nice uh, footloose uh, connection to Laurie Singer's in that one of her other few yes, movies. Laurie's the beautiful Laurie Singer. But actually, one of the, my, one of my favorite movies of the eighties is Dragnet. And uh, well, uh, see, one I would take even over that is Volunteers. Oh, that, yeah, with John Candy oh, and, uh, and Tim Thomerson. Yep, who, who is awesome. And actually, Tom movie. Hanks' eventual wife, Rita yeah, Wilson. Re- yeah, Rita Rudner, or is it? Rita Wilson. Rita Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yep. love that movie. I love that movie. It has uh, Getty Watanabe from uh, Long uh, Duck Dong. Yeah, Long Duck. 
<laughs> Allah, he's great in that movie. He is. He is. And uh, did you ever see Gung Ho? Oh, I love Gung Ho. He's yeah. in. He's in yeah. Uh, yeah. that movie too. Oh yeah, Ron Howard directed that. Yep. Michael Keaton. That's underrated movie. Better. What's your favorite book to movie adaptation? Hmm. This is kind of a weird one because um, I, I I think it's a horrible book to movie adaptation. But yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Okay. So it's kind of like uh, you know, I I know I know it's a weird answer, uh, but it is The Shining. The <laughs> Shining, I absolutely love the movie. I love the movie. I saw that 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 was a weird one that I actually saw. Me, my father, and my grandfather, we went to Chicago Heights, which was like a suburb of a suburb of Chicago. Okay. To go see that when it came out, but it was a big deal because it was the Stanley Kubrick movie, and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you know Stephen King who was hot at that time. Yep. Um, I absolutely loved the movie, but then years later I read the book, and I was like, oh my god, I see why Stephen King hates it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I get that because there were so many liberties and so many stuff left out of the book. Um, so I see why he's mad, but you can't deny what Kubrick did with the source material. Right. And it's one of Jack Nicholson's most iconic roles. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I would put it right up there with Chinatown. One uh, flew over the cuckoo's yeah, nest. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, fucking five easy pieces. Yep. Uh, you know, those are all like, you know, iconic, uh, Jack performances. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, but it's just, it's so fucking good. But then again, like, I see why, when you read the story, you see why King's pissed off. Yeah. But yeah. if you if you never read the book... You would have no idea. Yeah, you would have no idea. And it's still a very haunting, uh, you know, movie I love to watch. I'm fascinated about, you know, I've watched all the, the documentaries about the secret meanings of the movie and all this shit. And... Uh, it's just one of those. It's it's one where I love the book, means so much to me, but the movie means so much to me. But they are totally different. I mean, not totally different, but I mean, enough to where it's polarizing. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Instances, but uh, but I love it. What is your favorite cult classic movie? Ooh, now this this was this was the most like intriguing, fucking uh, question you had. Mm-hmm. Because cult classic is such a hard one to pin down. Yes, I, I mean, kind of the easy answer of a cult classic is is a movie that did nothing when it came out, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Or, right. Yeah. But but later went on to to you know to have a, a great deal of fanfare. But God, there is so many. Uh, but there's a lot of stock answers. And it's a weird, like I love uh, Repo Man. Yeah, it, yep. it's a great cult classic. But to me, almost in a way, uh, so is Secret Admirer. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, because I know so many people who love that movie, but when it came out, it did nothing. No, uh, I feel the same way about Return of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. uh, which I saw in the theater. Uh, was amazing. And and now it's it's held in such reverence, um, 
you know and and, and then there's other movies like uh, another one I think I talked about this last time you were on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page I don't know if, if it could be considered a cult classic because I don't know if it has that much of a cult following but Blue Collar yeah with uh, um, yeah Harvey Keitel and Harvey Keitel Richard Pryor and Richard Pryor yep. yeah we actually it's so funny you mentioned that movie because the one time I saw it was actually in college uh, one of the my English classes they actually showed that that movie and um, yeah that it was so funny that you mentioned because I hadn't thought about that movie in years and it's a great movie awesome. really underrated and most people haven't seen it yeah and it, and it is, but then it kind of makes me think, like, well, is it a cult classic? Because I don't even know if enough people know about it for it to be a cult classic. But to me, it's a it cult is. classic because I yeah. feel like it's one of those, like, it's amazing, but nobody knows about this. And like, yeah. I, I, I think if you go on if you go on Amazon, you know, luckily, I, when it came out on Blu-ray, like, maybe 10 years ago, and I bought it, like, instantly. Like, okay, got to have this. And then it went out of print. And uh, not uh, or on DVD, I mean. Uh, and now I think you can get a copy on Blu-ray, but it's almost like a bootleg copy. Oh, okay. But I mean, I mean, it's, it's fucking Paul Schrader who wrote Taxi Driver. You know, wrote direct Hardcore. Uh, you know, another to me another amazing uh, cult classic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But if 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 I gotta give one. That uh, I think is a bona fide, you know, by the stereotype of cult classic, and something I think people should check out is a film from 1982 called Eating Raul. Yeah. Yes. That I absolutely fucking love. It is. It is uh, kind of a sex comedy slash horror. Not, I mean, not really horror. It's too funny to be horror. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's about a comedy. Uh, I mean, it's a comedy about people who kill people and they serve them at their restaurant. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's amazing. Pa- Paul Bartle mm-hmm. and, and uh, Mary, I always pronounce her name wrong, but she played like the, the, the bad principal in Rock and Roll High School. Yeah, Mary Warnonoff or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You pronounce, yeah, another San Francisco girl. There you go. Um, oh, it's amazing. Robert Bertrand, who was... Uh, not only in Star Trek Voyager, but was also in uh, uh, Night of the Comet, which is another cult classic that. I <laughs> but it's, it's it's just an awesome, funny movie that was part of HBO in the early '80s, and it, yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I remember always seeing the the because it's kind of got a famous uh, cover, like a movie poster. I remember always oh, yeah. seeing it at the video store yeah. where it's like a, a big giant teeth eating a gun or something like that. Or, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. And, it, yeah. uh, and it, but it, it was a great fucking movie. It was really fun and a uh, great satirical comedy. Uh, yeah. You, you know, and it, it really summed up like the 80s and consumerism and stuff like that. And I mean, it's one that there's a lot more underneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Than than what you first see, and that's what I love about it, and and to me it's the epitome of a cult classic, and uh, that's what I picked as my favorite. That's a great one. Favorite musical. All right, now this is this is rough. Um, yes, <laughs> this is rough because I am not a musical guy by any means, and uh, there, there there's only two that are really in contention for me. And that's, okay. that's Grease yep. and Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
Okay. And I think I have to go, uh, when it's all said and done, I think I got to go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, that makes sense. Great. Actually, you go back and watch it. The music's really good. And actually, for rock fans, it's heavier than you think. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it's not show tunes or anything. Oh, no. I, re- I remember when I was in uh, when I was in grade school. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Actually, in junior high. Uh, this girl I used to date, her brother had a bootleg copy in the 80s of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. And that was a big deal because there wasn't, like, an official release. Like, one of, one of the... Oh my god! Probably one of the best dates I ever went on was was me and my old lady. Right now, um, we went to go see it at a local movie theater at the Britannia, the oldest mm-hmm. theater here in New Orleans. Uh, you know, and of course they did live action, and it was so horrible. I mean, it was so bad. <laughs> I feel bad for the people who acted it out, but it was so bad. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. we're like, you know what? We're like, okay, we're good. We're good. I mean, she had seen the movie a million times, but yeah. she had never seen it in a theater. That's mm-hmm. why it took her. But the production was so bad. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's yeah. Go. And we walked home, and it's a two-mile walk from the theater to my house. Okay. And uh, we found, and th- this is on Halloween night, we found a 12-pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon on the hood <laughs> of somebody's car. Like, like totally, like, like they came home from the bar, they set the Pabst Blue Ribbon on the hood, and forgot about it, and uh-huh. went in the house. I was just like, "Oh my god, that's a twelve pack of past blue ribbon," and I grabbed it. And we just on the two mile walk home, we sat there. We well, not sat there. We we walked, walked it. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, we walked, drinks Paps Blue Ribbon, and just laughed. <laughs> and uh, oh, it was it was like the best date I've ever had in my fucking life. All because of the horrible, you know, version yeah, of Rocky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We walked out halfway through, but we found free pass blue ribbon and walked through the streets of New Orleans on fucking Halloween night. It was amazing. It was meant to be. It was. It was meant to be. I'll never have a better date in my life than that night. So there you go. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get a little off topic, but it's still related to, to movies. So what what is your favorite thing to, uh, to when you went to the theater as a kid? What was your favorite thing to eat? What was your go to food? Besides Tombstone Pizza. Uh, besides Tombstone Pizza, which is a close number two, mm-hmm. popcorn, man. Popcorn, yeah, to me. that is the standard answer. To, to me, it's all about popcorn. Uh, my dad, my dad would eat the most, like, rock. He would always get, like, jujubes. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> shit that would just, like, rip out your fucking teeth. <laughs> and even as a kid, I was like, oh, dad, that's terrible. You know, <laughs> but I just wanted popcorn. Yeah. You know, yeah. little side note, I do love snow caps. Okay. I do love me some snow caps. Yeah. I love popcorn. But, uh, like, when me and my girl go to the show, this woman loves the fucking butter. Oh, my God. <laughs> does she love the fucking butter. Saturated. Oh, yeah, saturated. A little bit too much for me. So sometimes we get our, you know, we get our own different popcorn. But, uh, but sometimes we share... But uh, I mean, to me, you're going to a movie. It's it's all about popcorn, and it's weird because popcorn is not something I eat at my house. Right, right. You, it's you only know, like, the like oh, it's Tuesday, you yeah. know, or <laughs> oh, it's Thursday. I'm watching Grey's Anatomy. Let's make some popcorn. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen. But when you go to the theater, there's just something about that salty fucking awesome treat that. Uh, yep. You know, to me, it's kind of special because I never eat it unless I'm at the theater. 
So yeah. when I go, it's it, it, it's a ritual. So I mean, yeah. you you could get fucking junior mints and juju bees and yeah. you know whatever all that shit you know. But, uh, you know, fuck you. I'm not paying $12 for some <laughs> Twizzlers. That's right. You know, I'm paying $45 for popcorn. But it tastes better at the movie theater. Whatever craziness they put into it, it just tastes better there. You're absolutely right. It does. It, ta- <laughs> it tastes better there. I don't know what they do. I don't know yeah. what kind of fucking Jedi mind trick they use. <laughs> but, yeah, it's worth the fucking $57. And a right, bake for a tub. Yeah. yeah, and a bake <laughs> reference to get popcorn at the theater. <laughs> but I've, I've found out this is something uh, a lot of people don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, you know, the concessions, you know, at, at a movie theater. It's so terrible. Right. But what you don't realize is that's the only way the movie theaters make money. Right. Because they have to pay the studios to get the prints of whatever movie they're watching. That's right. So that's where they're like, okay, we got to come out of pocket. Like we're taking, we're taking a guess here that people want to see this movie. So we're gonna send X amount of money, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to this studio or that studio. The only way they make their money back is on concessions, right? Which so, is why there's such a high markup, right? So, yeah. so you know, and then you know, adjust inflation on onto that and everything. Yeah, and 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 you kind of. It, it puts stuff into perspective. I mean, it doesn't make it easier. I mean, because still, no. I mean, like, you go to a theater, especially if you're taking a date. Like, yeah. It's, it's one thing if you're going with your buddy. Because you, yeah. you ain't going to buy your buddy jack shit. <laughs> no. Fuck him. He's just your buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if you're taking your girl, you know, you gotta your, pay. your wife, your date, or your children, yeah. Yeah, it's on you. You're fucked. That's right. <laughs> you know, you gotta and that's it. why they almost search you like you're, they're searching for weapons. You can't bring in food because they, they, they're going to lose their bread and butter, no pun intended. Oh, see, well, that's that's what I like about the theater I go to, the Britannia Theater. If you're ever uh-huh. in, in beautiful New Orleans, Louisiana, go to the Britannia. They, they, they don't do that. And if you go to the balcony, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's like a party because <laughs> everybody's doing drugs. Everybody uh-huh. has alcohol. You know, it's like we're just having a good old fucking time. It's like going to a concert. Yeah, I mean, you you still pay. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not cheap to get in there, but it's not as bad as most theaters. But what's great though is this theater has been around since like the turn of the century. Yeah, at last century, not mm-hmm. this century. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's it's one of those like there, there's history when you sit yeah. there. You know, you you can smell. Like mm-hmm. the old movies that have shown there, you know, it, right? It's incredible, and uh, but yeah, but there's no escaping. Yeah, you 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 pay too much for the food, but uh, it's worth the experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is. What is your favorite buddy cop movie? Now that's that's a tough one. That's another <laughs> tough one that there's no easy answer to. But one, I will say, like, I'm not going to say it's my definitive. But it's one that I really love, and I think people need to to uh, either see it for the first time or evaluate. Is Midnight Run? Yes, yes, yes. With De Niro with, and yes, De Niro yeah. and Charles Grodin. Yep. And it was directed by Martin Brest, who also did uh, uh, the first Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, mm-hmm. great, yep. Great movie. A lot, a lot of fun, and that's uh, you know. T- it's got a kind of stereotypical about, you know, the cop with the convict and they become friends and then they hate each other and then they become friends again. And 
You know, I mean, the story is so stock, but uh, the you know the the fun between Charles Grodin and De Niro is so much fun. Yeah, uh, that I th- I think a lot of people need to check that out if you if you never saw it because it kind of it did okay when it came out. Uh, it's gotten a lot more respect in later years. Yeah, it's almost uh, like a cult classic. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But but uh, I love it now, and again, that's when I saw in the theaters. And I loved it then, and I love it now. What's your favorite true story movie? True story. River's Edge. Ah, there you go. That's a R- great one. River's Edge. One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, this is one and, I'll never... And forget. definitely check out the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. You guys did an episode on it. No, that's Over the Edge. Oh, Over the Edge. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yes. No, no, but o- check out Over the Edge, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. That's a great movie. One of my favorite fucking kids' movies. Even though it's not a kids' movie. No, but, it's, uh, yeah, it's a movie about kids. But no, River's uh, Edge is, is the teen movie too. Well, yeah, yeah, with an incredible movie with uh, Crispin Glover, uh, yep. Keanu Reeves, uh, Dennis Hopper. Uh, it just uh, I only Sky. I mean, it's just an amazing movie. And I remember uh, my father was a huge, huge Dennis Hopper fan, mm-hmm. and, and knew Dennis Hopper from when we lived in in L.A. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so that was a big thing for him because that was kind of his big comeback. Uh, he didn't get a lot of, like, wide uh, acclaimed success till a movie that came out later in that year called Hoosiers. Yeah, of came, course. Came out, you know, and I, I believe he was nominated for that one for a supporting actor. He might even won. I think he made have one too, but, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But River's Edge came out first. He had a great 1986, though. Didn't oh. didn't uh, Velvet come out too that year? Yeah, was I, think, cool? I think yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Um, oh God, Blue Velvet, what a great! Yeah, <laughs> but you fucking look at me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, mommy, what, what's the name of the movie again? I'm saying. I'm sorry. River's Edge. River's Edge. Oh my God, yeah. it, it's so good and. Uh, Again, it was a movie that spoke to me because even though I was very young at the time, uh, the movie was about a bunch of metalheads. Yeah. Like, the soundtrack is like fucking Slayer. It's all bands yeah. that like that were on Metal Blade Records at the time. Right. You know, it's all you know, it's all great fucking metal that's on there. But uh, it's about a guy that killed his girlfriend, and how all the other kids react to it, and. Uh, it's it's just amazing. It's even more amazing when you know that it's a true story. Yeah, you know, you know, hence uh, why I picked it. Mm-hmm. But but very effective storytelling, and all all of the actors are believable, uh, and mm-hmm. and that's why I love, even like like Dennis Hopper's character, which is so like kind of out there, but everybody knows like that one guy that's yeah. out there. That you could buy weed off of, you know, <laughs> when you were a teenager, you know, yeah. like of course this guy ain't fucking all together because he's a he's selling you weed and you're a teenager. <laughs> That's right, you, you know. But uh, it, it it's so superbly acted and 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 written and uh, it is it, it's it's one of those. What I love about it is it, it's it's aimed at a certain age, but it doesn't. It doesn't demean you. Like it doesn't say, "Hey, you're stupid as a teenager." Right. It's like, "Hey, this is stuff about teenagers," but uh, I'm gonna give it to you as it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, just 
blew my mind. It's you know, I sat there, you know, and I'm watching it with my dad, and I'm thinking about it like all the other movies I saw that same year that were such fluff movies, uh, you know, that that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like this to me is like a movie movie. Yeah, that uh, that I got to watch with my dad, and it was one of those things like. Uh, it was only in the theater where we were at. We were like in like a way southern town in Illinois. And this movie only played for one week. Oh wow! You know, but we were there opening night. You know, yeah, because we we just knew, you know, because my dad paid attention to stuff. Yeah, you know, he's like, oh, we got to go see this, and it left an impression on me. And I've seen it a gazillion times. Uh, Over the edge, cannot recommend enough. Yeah. What is your favorite trilogy? Trilogy. Yeah. That that's uh it's a tough one, but it's not a tough one. Um <laughs> uh, you know, and I gotta go, even though you know, there's a lot of great shit. Uh you know, I, I could almost say like uh the man with no name trilogy. Sure. You know, yep. Ben Eastwood. Yep, but, the spaghetti uh, was. But uh hey, let's not beat around the bush. It's fucking Star Wars. Yeah, the original. Yeah, it's fucking Star Wars, you know. Um, even even with the fucking Ewoks, it's mm-hmm. fucking Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, no other film series has had that impact in my life, and and other people's life. I mean, it's a fucking phenomenon. It is. It really I, is. I mean, you have the prequels, you have the sequels, you have the offshoot movies. And you know, you know, to whatever degree that you love them or you hate them, I mean, there's no denying the awesomeness that is fucking Star Wars. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just it, it's it, it's larger than movies. It, it it's modern mythology, mm-hmm. like, like the same way like other people look at Greek mythology as like you yeah. know, some of the greatest stories ever told. We have Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. I mean, I mean, it's really, it's one of those things. It it it's penetrated the culture. It's a phenomenon, and I mean, I mean, it's incredible. And and still, I mean, to this day, you know, if you ask me what's your top ten greatest movies ever, Empire Strikes Back is going to be on that fucking list. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, because that, I mean, that's a multi. That's like not only one of the best movies; it's one of the best sequels. It's you know, it's like, it's just great storytelling, you know. And and the movie ends on a downbeat ending, mm-hmm. which to me, like I said, not that I'm like you know, you know, Maddie Morose or whatever, <laughs> but you know, I like shit that kind of like okay, this kind of shit happens every day. You know, that's true. And it keeps getting passed down from generation to generation, and it will continue to be. Yep. All right, what is your favorite John Hughes movie? Now, this could be, doesn't have to be the ones he directed. It could also be the ones he wrote, because he he did write a lot of great movies that he didn't direct. So, uh, what are some of your favorites? Well, I mean, some of my favorites, and this is going to be a real weird one. I'm glad you opened it up to uh, not only writing, but directing. Okay. Um... And it is it's hard because I mean I even like Curly Sue for Christ. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um it, you know, Great Outdoors. Wasn't he involved in that? He was. I think he wrote it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know, Weird Science. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely amazing. 
Uh, the Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. which I think, again, one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, I mean seriously, I, I, I think The Breakfast Club is so important and underrated. Even though it's like, it has a lot of respect, The Breakfast Club says a lot, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, about the human condition in general and the, and the way children interact with each other yeah and the way they don't i think it's a very very important movie very important movie i'm glad they haven't remade it yet and i'm also it would have been interesting if they did a sequel um you know back then like right afterwards you know what what happens the day after what happens the week after that would have been interesting oh oh, and i heard all these horrible scenarios about Mm -hmm. that and I even read an article recently about that where they were talking about doing one shortly before the death of John Hughes. Oh, okay. Uh, that was supposed to be, and it, and I'm so glad it didn't happen, but it was supposed to be these same people in college. Oh, no. Yeah, that would have been bad. And it was going to use the same actors, but obviously they were going to be older than what they should have been, you know, and sure. stuff like that. So, but anyway, that's hypothetical. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen. And I'm very excited because that is one movie that I've yet to buy on Blu-ray, but now Criterion they they, they put it out. I want to get that because any they're the ultimate. Yeah, anybody who loves movies, um, there there's two groups. There's, yep. There's Shout Factory. Oh, which is equally really good. That does <laughs> the most amazing thing with all the '80s horror movies that you love. They just re-released uh, Teen Wolf with a. Yes. Uh, Two and a half hour documentary. In, you know, oh, it's so good. I, I know, and I want to see it, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting till the price goes down. Yeah, it's expensive, but you know what? It's worth it if you can get it. It's worth it. Well, it's the same thing with cri- both Criterion and Shout Factory. Yeah, when they come out, it's expensive. They're, oh, they're and, insane! And, yeah, and, and I know I'm bitching. It's like white people problems <laughs> because, because like normally it's probably five bucks more than you're gonna pay for most you know Blu-rays. But right. you're like, oh my god, it's five bucks more. <laughs> That's right. You know, but when you think about it, like all the shit that they had, because I mean, I mean, if you're a movie lover like me, I mean, yep. how many movies have you bought that you're buying it almost more for the special features, absolutely, than what you are for the actual movie itself? Because yeah. the movie itself, you've seen a gazillion times. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's all about you know, for us true movie lovers that can't get a fucking enough. It's all about the special features. That's and, right. And nobody gives it to you like Shout Factory or um, Criteria. Criteria. So mm-hmm. I'm so excited about Criteria putting out a, a Breakfast Club edition, and I'm gonna get that. You know, because but I'm not above, dude. I you know me, you know what shit I bought on Blu-ray that I rebought <laughs> because there's a special edition. I mean, it's insane. But when it comes to John Hughes. There's two movies, and I'm very, very fucking torn. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't be more different. But one, I mean, this is fucking obvious. Fucking 16 Candles. Sure. Amazing. Saw it in the theater at 10 years old. Blew my mind then. Blows my mind now. It's so amazing. I love it. On the other end of the spectrum is a movie I saw the year before. And I saw it at the Town Cinema, which if you were listening earlier in the program, that's where all the shitty movies went. You know, uh-huh. low-budget movies went. It's a movie called National Lampoon's Class Reunion. 
Oh, <laughs> that! Oh my God, do I love this movie! It is so, and, and this is like a horror comedy. Yeah, but it, it's. Have you seen it? Uh, years ago, it's been years. I need to rewatch oh it. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh my God! It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. But I mean, I mean, it's definitely more a comedy than it is a horror movie. But yeah, you know, it's like Nash Lampoon doing their spoof. It bombed when it came out. It mm-hmm. bombed when it came out. But oh my god, I saw that the theater loved it. It was on HBO like fucking crazy. Uh, finally came out on DVD. I had a copy, and then it came out on. Uh, wait a minute, do I have a Blu-ray copy? I'm not sure. I think I might just have my DVD copy. But it is fucking so goddamn funny. But couldn't be far any more far removed than uh, sixteen candles. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Sixteen candles or, or, or you know, pretty and pink or mm-hmm. you know all the other what, what you would consider John Hughes movies. Yeah, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it it's way different than that. But to me, it's like it's like very much like airplane type comedy. Yeah. Uh, but it's so awesome. But it fucking bombed. Yeah. When it, when it came out, but I, I fucking love this movie to fucking death. And if you have a good sense of humor, check out National Lampoon's Class Reunion. Uh, cannot recommend it enough. Fuck, I want to watch it right now. (laughs) So, Class Reunion came out in 82, and then, of course, next year they released... Oh, 82? Okay. Yeah, and then the next year they released uh, Vacation, which, of course, is a... John Hughes wrote that, too, so... Yeah, I'm off in my years. I remember I saw it in the theaters. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm glad you're here. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah. you must be... Like, you just don't listen. You just hear key words. You're like, okay, I'm going to look this up. (laughs) Okay, he's full of shit, because I, I see this right here. Uh, another great John Hughes movie they wrote that is now on uh, Blu-ray from Shout Factory is Mr. Mom. So if you want to oh, revise your... I love oh, Mr. Mom. 220, 222, yeah. whatever it takes. That's whatever it takes. And uh, South to drop off, moron. You know, yeah. stuff like that. I you, I, I, oh my God, do I love uh, Mr. Michael Mom. Keaton. And, yeah. and another another Michael Keaton movie that I implore everybody to check out. I just had my girlfriend watch it and she loved it, is Night Shift. Yes, yes. Henry Winkler. Yeah, Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton, Shelley Long. Yep. A a phenomenal movie. I love it. A great comedy. I believe it's Ron Howard's uh, directorial debut. No. No? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he he did like a couple of like low budget, like Roger Corman movies in the 70s. You're right. That that was his first like, you know, that was for. Big budget. Actually, I think it was. Oh my God! I can, I I can see um, not Orion, but it's it's something like Orion Pictures. Mm-hmm. But it was the same company that put up Blade Runner. I can see okay. I I can see the beginning of the movie in my head, but I can't spell it out. But uh, but uh, yeah, and and that's when I have the soundtrack on vinyl. Night Shift. Yes. Great one. Oh my God! Quarter Flash is on there, and Al Jarreau, <laughs> and and the original version of um, Oh God, what was the AIDS song that came out in the eighties? That's what friends are for. Oh, that's right. That's yes. what friends are for. Was originally off that soundtrack and sung by Rod Stewart instead of Dionne Warwick. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that was like Dionne Warwick and fucking Elton John. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. 
and uh, Stevie Wonder and all those people would be yeah. But the original version was sung by Rod Stewart for the for the Night Shift soundtrack. There you go. Who are your now? We're finally at this. We've been alluding to this for a while now. So who are your favorite character actors? Oh, oh, this this is no contest, <laughs> no fucking contest. When you think of character actors, and, and and this is what you should think, there is only one answer. Okay. One answer. And I'm going to put this to you, Brian. Do you know the correct answer to this? If I probably to, if I was probably to, not. <laughs> if I was to throw this to you, who is the greatest character actor of all time? Uh, what would you say? Well, I have my male and female. No, male. This is male. This is male. Okay. The correct answer is male. Is male? Okay. What's his name? name? Is it older? Like, is it classic actor or is it relatively? Little, little bit of both. There's only one answer. God damn it! If if it's taking this long, you probably have the wrong answer. I I don't have it. But I want, I want to hear what you're gonna say. Uh, Gary Oldman. No. No. The the, the correct answer is Dick Miller. Really? Dick Miller. You, okay. You know who Dick Miller is? I'm going to look him up because a lot of people... Oh, like, my for, God. This, you have to look I, this I, up? Well, no. Here's the thing about character actors. A lot of times, you know their face. You just don't know their name. And now that I'm looking him up, I absolutely know his face. He was in Gremlins. He was yes, in Terminator. Yes. 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 That's right. This guy has been in so many fucking movies. There is an incredible documentary mm-hmm. called This is Dick Miller. Okay. Uh, that you need to check out. I mean, this guy is the epitome of a character actor. If <laughs> I could make a movie, I would love. He's to still make, alive. I would. I, I know, but I would love to make a movie. But I don't care. Like you know, you'd be like, oh, you could dig up the corpse of Marlon Brando, or you could have fucking <laughs> Dick Miller. I'd be like, Dick. You Miller. take Dick Miller. I take Dick Miller any fucking day of the week. This is Mister Futterman from fucking Gremlins. I mean, he has been in so many goddamn movies. This is Dick fucking Miller, people. Dick. Piranha. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's in every Joe Dante movie there is. Uh, yeah. But he was in a lot of Roger Corman movies. Yeah. So many Roger Corman movies. Uh, you know, he was in uh, Demon Knight. You know, the Tales from the mm-hmm. Crypt movie. I mean, yep. so much shit. I mean, this guy is just the epitome. Of a character actor, you know, mm-hmm. my dad. Well, I'd watch all these old movies of my days like that's Dick Miller, Dick Miller, Dick Miller, you know. And then, and then even in my era, you know, in the eighties, you would see shit like Terminator and Gremlins and all this shit, you know. And like Dick Miller, Dick Miller, you know. It's like, oh my God, this guy made a history, uh, you know, of being a character actor and. and the movie they made about him is is great, and it's one of those ones you got to pay a little bit for it. And by a little bit, I'm you know I'm exaggerating. I think I probably paid like sixteen bucks, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's still cheaper than Criterion uh, or Shout Factory. Yeah, I, but oh, it was so good, and just to see like this guy who like loves movies and loves all this shit, but he was just you know never seemed to rise above a certain level but yet he has the status where people want him in the room even he was in pulp fiction and the scene got cut out and and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm so pissed because i could only imagine what he could have added to one of my favorite movies of all time i mean i'm mm-hmm. such a tarantino fanboy 
but it's like, oh my god, if Dick Miller was in this motherfucker, oh my god, and uh, you know, Dick Miller talks about in the documentary, like what a fucking blow that was to him, because he knew like this was a guy who was on the verge of like recreating cinema as we know it. You know what I mean? Like being the next Francis Ford Coppola, being the next you know Scorsese. He knew that this shit was going to blow up and then his scene got cut out and he's just like wow that's a story of my life you know yeah i'm fucking yeah. dick miller you know he's in he's in one of my favorite movies which is the next uh, question one of my favorite movies as a kid which is explorers from 1985 yes, yes. yeah and joe dante he's in every yep. joe dante movie yeah explorer is yep. a great movie great movie Saw that? Uh, so, yeah, there you go. So let's go into the, to this question. What, what were some of the favorite movies uh, when you were a kid that you just couldn't get enough of? Oh, my God. Um, when I was a young kid, I loved uh, The Great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Was a, was a good one, the second Muppet movie. I saw that in the theaters. There was a, Charles Grodin? There, there was another one I watched on HBO that I loved all the time called Kid Co. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this. No. It, it, uh, uh, lot, lot of good people were in it, uh, but uh, Jason Schwartz, you know, the kid who stuck his tongue on the pole. and uh, That's right. Story. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he was in it, uh, and it was just a good, like, stupid little kid movie, but I, 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 I loved it. It was one of those things that was on HBO, if you had in the 80s, you know. It was on, like, 27 times a week. Mm. Um, you know, another thing, not a movie, but a special that I watched on HBO all the time was called uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. <laughs> never heard of it. <laughs> really? You've never heard of no. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? No. Google that shit. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Re- yeah, because I'm not making that up. That's a real thing. 1977. Yes. Jim Henson. Yes, Jim Henson. Uh, but they used to show it like all the time on HBO, mm. and it, it just—it was a great special. Uh, I don't know. It just has a lot of meaning to me as a child. Uh, yeah. An, another one that I uh, really loved as a child was a cartoon, uh, "The Secret of Nim." Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I, I I love that so much. Very very yeah. good. Very good story. All right, this is a fun one. Um, can you name some of your uh, most fun celebrity encounters? Like uh, people, it could be music, it could be actors, it could be so, uh, sports athletes. But some of your best known celebrity encounters. Oh, okay. Well, here's a good one. So my father and my mother moved out to Los Angeles in 1978, and mm-hmm. uh, I followed them shortly thereafter. I got on a plane with my grandparents. And I, I I get off the plane and I see my dad from like you know like my dad's like standing away in the airport but I see him right and I'm I'm four years old I start running I'm, I'm like dad 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 and I run and I hit Mike Love from the Beach Boys right in the balls with my head because uh, <laughs> I'm just running for my dad and he just happens to be walking like the Beach Boys are leaving for a tour. And I just totally headbutt Mike Love in the balls with my head. <laughs> California and, dream. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of, you know, by all accounts, he kind of patted me on the head like, oh, 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 okay, kid. And then he shoved me the fuck out of the way like, oh, my God, you just fucking nailed me in the balls. 
So, <laughs> Did his hat fall off and everything? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. No, I didn't hear that. They're just like, he patted me and then he shoved me the fuck out of the way. Like, <laughs> oh my God, this little fucking toe-headed fuck. Um, so that that's probably my, my first one. Uh, also a great one was meeting Lou Ferrigno. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, Lou Ferrigno. Uh, in 1979, I met him at Universal Studios. Okay, and is, is this during the Incredible Hulk? It, it, this <laughs> is during the Incredible Hulk, and uh, I met him and, and just lost my shit. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh my god, the Incredible Hulk. Um, another one that happened. Uh, this one happened in 1979. Uh, met Christopher Reeve. Oh, wow. Yeah, Christopher Reeve at Alice's Restaurant in Malibu, California. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sitting there having lunch with my dad, and, and I see him. But, I mean, he you know, he's not dressed like Superman. No. he You know, he's just in regular clothes, and he just came to, like, pick up lunch and to <laughs> leave. And I'll never forget this. He had a red Porsche. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a two-seater, but it was him... He had a beautiful blonde girlfriend, which I don't know, and it is the woman who ended up being his wife. Okay. And he, and he had one of those like um, sheep dogs, like you know, like I'm please don't eat the daisies. Yeah. Maybe that's too young, too old. No, no, I, I know. Okay. Yeah, Dorothy. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had one of those, and uh, I'll never uh, to to go to Alice's restaurant. It was on a pier. Uh, so I'm just walking down there, and I'm freaking. I'm like Superman, Superman, Superman. <laughs> And he just pat me on the head. I mean, couldn't have been nicer. You know, it's like, you know, he knew I was some stupid kid, you know, but he knew the effect he had because Superman, oh, Superman had already come out and he couldn't have been nicer. But I just remember him like jumping in this red, you know, convertible sports car with a gorgeous blonde and then, and then, then a sheepdog in the middle. <laughs> and, and then the funny thing is later that day, um, we went to what is it like Madame Tussauds or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, the, 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 the fam- yeah, the famous wax museum. Right. Uh, we went there later in the day, and they had a wax figure of him as Superman. And <laughs> I went up and I tried to talk to him. I was, I was like, "Superman, Superman, it's Ian. I'm, I'm Ian. I met you earlier today. Don't you remember me? You don't you write. Know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he wasn't talking. I was getting all mad. Uh, <laughs> Uh, an- another fun one. I had a great time with uh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Simmons, who a lot of people know. Great from, character actor. Oh, from Oz. Yeah. Oh, my God. I met him on the set of uh, Terminator Genesis. Oh, really? Yeah, which they filmed at LSU. Uh, I-, I-, I work for LSU uh, for the medical campuses here in New Orleans. Okay. And... Uh, and he was on the set, and and met, he was so nice. I'm sitting there talking to him, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "I love you so much." I was like, "Oh my god, Oz is so awesome." And he looks at me, he goes, "He goes, what is it with you people from New Orleans?" He's like, "You love Oz," <laughs> you know. And he started pulling. I have long hair, and he pulled on my ponytail, and I was like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "Whoa!" Now I know how Beecher felt. <laughs> and if you watch Oz, you know what that means. And, right. And, and he got a big kick out of that, and he was a really cool dude. But on this on the same set, uh, we were told, we were warned, uh, don't look at 
Arnold Schwarzenegger in the eyes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, like, like don't like uh, you know, uh, you know, leave him alone. All this shit. So I'm working yeah. on the set, and I had to pass. And while I'm passing, but I got to get through the door because they want me to do something. And I'm sitting there waiting, waiting, and finally, I'm like, I'm like, excuse me, I gotta go. And fucking Arnold mean mugged me like a motherfucker. Really? Like, oh my god, who the fuck are you? And then I'm looking like, motherfucker, what are you like, seventy four? I'll kick your ass. Don't give me that fucking look. You fucking yeah, shriveled up fucking governor motherfucker. Oh my god, and what a horrible movie it was too. Oh yeah. And what was yeah. so funny is we were talking to people working on the set, and they were so nice. Mm-hmm. Well, what a what a great crew. But they were all like, oh, this is going to be a horrible movie. They're like, we've read the script. This shit is terrible. This shit is terrible. They're like... It's a paycheck. Oh, yeah. They're like, enjoy the craft services. They were so nice. They're like, hey, craft services, free food, free drinks, (laughs) eat up. This is going to be a horrible fucking movie. Nobody (laughs) wants to attach their name to this. You know, because they all had that attitude. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah, they they knew it was going to be shit. But mm-hmm. at, at the same time, I mean, what amazing experience. I mean, sure. E- e- even getting mean mugged by fucking Schwarzenegger, who I had previously met in 1990. Mm-hmm. I, I went on vacation to L.A., and uh, they have an annual parade of the stars. Uh, I think they still do that, where they had, you know, a lot of Hollywood people come out. And, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the grand people in the parade that year were him and Clint Eastwood. Oh wow! Yeah, this was 1990. Well, Clint Eastwood doesn't doesn't sign autographs. He doesn't shake hands. He's very against that. Okay. And basically, he like rode in the back of a Cadillac and waved. That's all he did. Okay. But Schwarzenegger was there as well, and Schwarzenegger, uh, actually, I I like jumped like people are lined up on the fucking street like any parade. I jumped over to shake hands with him. Because he was actually shaking hands with people and being right. cool. But I'll never forget that. I was so disappointed because, you know, I fucking grew up with Clint Eastwood, but he wasn't having none of that. But, you know, Schwarzenegger was like, he was shaking hands with everybody, being cool, you know. But then fast forward, you know, 30 years or 20 years later. And he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh, <laughs> fuck you. I'm like, no, fuck you, you fucking Republican. You know? <laughs> All right, so we're down to the final question. I've asked you now 37 questions. This has been a marathon. Of course, we're going to split this up into multiple episodes, but that's what you got to do. do Oh, of course. So now we're going to get into kind of kid stuff again, but what is your favorite animated and your favorite live action Disney movies? All right, this is a weird fucking question because I am not a Disney fucking fan. Okay. Any means, even as a child. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're gonna go animated, uh, there's one Disney animation that captivated me as a small child, and I still like to this day, and uh, that is the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was one of those things that was kind of part of the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't know if you're young enough to remember that. Oh, know. I totally do. Yeah, okay, ABC. Okay. Yeah. yeah yep. ABC used to show that on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of those things I remember seeing back in the 70s. They would show it, you know, every Halloween. Uh, you would see that. And I just, you know, uh, 
I just remember the illustrations of you know Ichabod Crane, right? And, you know, and, and the headless horseman throwing those, you know, throwing the flaming the pumpkins. pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was something that was very, uh, uh, you know, you know. Like I said, I, I like shit that's dark. Yeah. You know, I'm not a morose, morose guy, but there was something about that, like, ooh, this is cool, you know, and this is different than the Flintstones. And I love the Flintstones, but you know what I mean? It was just something, it was something a little bit darker. And even as a small child, I loved it. But as far as live action, uh, there's one movie that by far... This is my favorite, and I just watched it probably last month. Can't get enough of this movie. Is uh, a movie called The Black Hole. Oh yeah, yes. That uh, Robert Robert Forrester, Anthony Perkins, uh, Ernest Borgnine, yeah, uh, Max Max von uh, whatever the fuck his name is, Max Cedo. Yes, yeah. Uh, Amazing, you know, it was Disney trying to capitalize on the whole Star Wars, you know, like space theme. Yeah, uh, but it was something I, I, I so remember. This is when I saw it at the Metaview Theater, and I also remember Disney used to have this shit where it was like a book and a record where you could, like, like. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I used to yeah, have yeah, like yeah. ET and Star oh, Wars. Oh, yeah, I, I had plenty of shit like that, and I remember my uh my black hole one like that, you know, where you'd put on the record, yep. you would hear like some, you know, background music from the movie. You would hear different dialogue and, yep. and then you could flip through the book and do all that. It would and, chime when you had to turn the page. Right. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was a very dark movie, uh, for Disney. And there was a backlash. Yeah. You know, cause there was a lot of people like, Oh, this is too dark for Disney, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But, I absolutely fucking loved it, and it, it's something I can still watch this day. Timothy Bottoms was in it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's one of those, like, oh my god, put out a Blu-ray, I will fucking buy it. <laughs> you know, like Criterion. I don't think they fuck with Disney, but I, yeah, would, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney is its own yeah, entity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Disney is definitely its own entity. But that is one of those, like, it was them branching out, and they they, they kind of got bit in the ass and. Uh, you know, jump back from that. Uh, the only other Disney film I could think of that was as dark as that, which is another film that I love, is Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, yeah. Bradbury story. Uh-huh. Uh, Jason Robards was in it. Pam Greer was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, an amazing movie. Uh, again, a very dark story. Very dark for Disney. Yeah. But, you know, fuck. I mean, what are you talking about? Uh, a dark story from a guy that, that that's a fucking human popsicle? <laughs> you know, that froze himself? And I'm sure he probably fucked a couple kids, just like Harvey <laughs> Weinstein. Uh. On that note, we're going to leave it at that. Again, thank you so much, Ian. This has been amazing. You are I mean, just as good as, as with, with that you are with music. You have the same passion for movies, and it has been an absolute honor to have you on. And again, everyone, check out the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Yes. Even if you aren't, even if you aren't into hard rock and heavy metal, it is so much fun to hear Ian and Ralph talk about what they love, and that's music. And it is pure gold and comedy. Also, if you want an eclectic, you know, taste of music 
every Saturday. Check out Wadzilla's World, which is uh, starts at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, all the way to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on yes. Sound for Your Radio. And again, he'll he'll whatever crazy thing you want. The the rule is you can suggest an artist or a band. You can't suggest a song. Yes. That's up to Ian to do. So yeah, again, thank you so much, Ian. Oh, dude, I, I dude, I was looking so so forward to this. Uh... I mean, because not only were you such an amazing uh, guest on our show, uh, but, you know, like I said, I'm just as much into movies uh, as I am music. I mean, I can go on for days and days, and and I I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. Thank you. Uh, A a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you, you bring up a lot of stuff that people... Like a lot of people probably forget. Like when you brought up fucking Quicksilver, I was like, oh my God. For those of you people, Quicksilver, a movie with Kevin Bacon riding a bicycle. Yeah, in in downtown San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Because he quit being a, a stockbroker. Right. But it's 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 so bad, it's awesome. But only Brian, it is. only Brian Davis and I know this. You know, it's 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 right there with Jim Cotta. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and I and and I own Quicksilver on DVD, not Blu-ray, because they they wouldn't be silly enough to put it on Blu-ray. But I own it. Oh my god! But no, full no. screen and all. Serious, seriously, man, I am so honored to be on your show. I thoroughly enjoy it, and I hope uh, more people listen to this. And I will definitely plug your show more. Uh, oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate this, it. This shit's awesome, and this this is a great. Um, what I believe untapped market. There's other people that do movie shows, but in my opinion, don't do it with the passion and in depth as you do. So this, this to me is the premiere. Like you're going to check out a movie, check, check out this podcast. I love it. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. 